it's 6 p.m. and you are tuned to your community radio station, KVMR FM Nevada City, KCPC Camino. Today is Friday, January 7th, 2022. I'm Kelly Reese and this is the KVMR Evening News. Have you had difficulty getting a COVID test? Up ahead, the California report takes us inside an overwhelmed testing facility. We'll then take a brief look at local news and weather. Felton Pruitt speaks to Melinda Booth, the executive director of the South Yuba River Citizens League, the organization behind the Wild and Scenic Film Festival for the past two decades. We close the newscast with a drive up Highway 49, where we check in on storm ramifications for those in the San Juan community. This is the California Report. I'm Saul Gonzalez in Los Angeles. The spread of Omicron has people scrambling to get tested for COVID, but the lines are long, appointments get scooped up fast, and rapid antigen tests are really, really hard to find. KQED's Raquel Maria Dillon brings us the story of one testing clinic in the East Bay City of Richmond. Alejandra Felix had a cough and a sore throat. So she did the responsible thing and called in sick. Felix cleans houses for a living and works for herself. Before she goes back to work, she wants to be sure it's just a flu. The COVID testing site here at Lifelong Medical Center was fully booked. She called and called, but couldn't get an appointment. For Felix, a week with no work means losing up to $800 in income. Money she needs to pay the bills. But this clinic isn't taking walk-ups anymore. Felix left, feeling desperate. Since the holidays, the demand for testing here has ballooned. For the small staff, it's exhausting. We get tired and we just got to step aside, take a breath. There are times where we cry a little. And then we come back. Griselda Ramirez Escamilla, who runs the urgent care center here, says this surge is taking an emotional toll. You know, it's hard. And we show up every morning. And like I said, we have times where we do break down, but it's just the nature of it. We have to lift our spirits and keep moving. Lifelong Medical serves a specific community, Medicaid patients and essential workers who risk COVID exposure at their jobs. The pandemic is hitting these low-income communities again, this time with Omicron. Lifelong runs three testing sites in the Bay Area. Its clinics are getting about 1,000 COVID calls each day. This site can only test 60 people daily and can't scale up. So it's not always about quantity, but if we're reaching those who have no other way to access testing resources, then we are achieving our goal. Dr. Jocelyn Freeman-Garrick is with Alameda County's Public Health Department. With demand up 400 percent at county testing locations, she says these smaller sites do what larger ones can't, serve these vulnerable neighborhoods. And we found at those smaller sites that the percent positivity rate was much higher than the general population. So the numbers may be small, but that's a pivotal role. So go ahead and pull your mask down. And open your mouth and stick your tongue out. That's 24-year-old Gabi Perez. It's her job to swab noses and throats for the COVID tests here. She says many immigrant families in this majority Latino city live in multi-generational households with grandparents or children who are too young to be vaccinated. Once somebody says positive, it's like there's no way of getting away from it unless you go to another home. 
Um, you got to use the same bathroom, same bedroom, same kitchen. There's no really a way around it. She speaks from experience. I do live with my parents, and I have been hit by COVID. Um, I thank God that I did survive it. Um, my dad was really sick. That was last summer, and he's okay now, but the experience inspired her to switch careers, from childcare to medical assistant, as a step toward becoming a nurse to further serve her community. For The California Report, I'm Raquel Maria Dillon in Richmond. And some other news related to the pandemic. Amid the unprecedented wave of COVID infections, nearly 1,000 police officers, firefighters, and paramedics in the city of Los Angeles aren't on the job. But Mayor Eric Garcetti says both the police and fire departments have enough staffing to keep the city safe. KCRW's Daryl Satsman reports. There are 505 LAPD officers and 299 members of the fire department at home quarantining with COVID, both pandemic highs, according to Mayor Eric Garcetti. These are big numbers, numbers that are reflecting the staffing challenges that all of us face, whether it's in the private sector, the public sector, and across all of our city departments. He says the city has authorized overtime funds to pay employees who cover the shifts of personnel sick with COVID-19. And while they acknowledge response times have been affected in some cases, both Police Chief Michael Moore and Fire Chief Ralph Tarasas say their departments have enough personnel to maintain safety. Tarasas listed the steps his department is taking to keep firefighters on the job, including requiring them to wear N95 masks. Canceling all approved leaves until further notice. With L.A. County Public Health approval, we will adopt a seven-day isolation protocol rather than the 10-day protocol that currently exists. Meanwhile, Garcetti said that five out of six police and fire employees are now fully vaccinated, a slightly higher percentage than city workers overall. For the California Report, I'm Daryl Satzman in Los Angeles. Meanwhile, in San Diego, some 200 police department employees are isolating because of COVID. And in other news, federal prosecutors have announced they will not try to extend Pacific Gas and Electric's criminal probation beyond its scheduled end later this month. KQED's Dan Brecky explains. PG&E was placed on probation five years ago after it was convicted of obstructing a federal investigation into the San Bruno natural gas pipeline disaster and breaking pipeline safety laws. Probation officials allege the company violated that probation when its equipment started fires in Sonoma and Shasta counties in 2019 and 2020. The company faces criminal charges in both incidents. Judge William Alsop said in a hearing earlier this week that given those allegations, he'd be willing to to consider extending probation. But prosecutors said in a court filing yesterday that federal law bars the court from adding time to the term of probation, which was already set at the maximum of five years. PG&E will be free of court oversight when probation ends January 26th. For The California Report, I'm Dan Brecky. Support for The California Report comes from Eric and Wendy Schmidt, whose philanthropy includes Schmidt Futures, focused on finding exceptional people and helping them do more for others together on the web at schmidtfutures.com. Stanford Medicine, protecting your health and providing dependable care with safe in-person appointments and video visits. StanfordHealthCare.org slash AdaptingCare. And the Wesley Foundation, investing in California's underserved youth. 
And that is the California Report for Friday, January 7th. We are a production of KQED Public Radio. Our engineers are Danny Bringer and Katie McMurrin. Our producers are Mary Franklin Harvin, Holly J. McDeed, and Keith Mizuguchi. Our editors, Angela Corral. Our managing editors, Vinnie Tong. Our executive editors, Ethan Lindsay. And our chief contents officer is Holly Kernan. If you want more news from around the state, do check out our daily podcast. It includes stories from both of our morning newscasts. I'm your host, Saul Gonzalez. Thanks so much for listening and have a good day and weekend. Hopping over to regional news, Nevada County's Public Health Department reports 60 new confirmed COVID-19 cases today. There are currently 12 active hospitalizations, and the Sacramento Bee reports the daily case rate for COVID-19 in California is officially the highest it has ever been. In a daily update, the California Department of Public Health recorded the latest seven-day average at 125 confirmed cases per 100,000 residents. The rate shot past the previous all-pandemic record of 112 per 100,000, set almost exactly one year earlier on January 8, 2021. Yuba County Sheriff Detectives have confirmed the identity of human remains discovered near Dark Day Campground at New Bullard's Bar Reservoir in Camptonville last month. The man, identified as 44-year-old Tyler Love of Grass Valley, was reported missing to the Nevada County Sheriff's Office on November 2, 2021. He was found dead by a hiker on December 21st, near Dark Day Campground. Love's official cause of death still remains pending autopsy results. The Union of Grass Valley reports Cal Fire and the Placer County Fire Department responded Thursday to a report of two utility workers who fell approximately 50 feet while trying to repair electrical lines near Rollins Lake and Ubet Roads in Colfax. Due to their remote location and road conditions, firefighters used stokes to extract them to the waiting ambulances. The utility workers were transported to Sutter-Roseville Trauma Hospital with moderate to major injuries. Current Assistant County of Nevada Clerk Recorder Natalie Adona has announced her run in the upcoming June 7th statewide direct primary election for Nevada County Clerk Recorder. Speaking of current Clerk Recorder and Registrar voters, Greg Diaz, Adona says, quote, I get along with him great. He's a great boss, end quote. Diaz has yet to comment on Adona's candidacy. As of 3 p.m. this afternoon, PG&E estimates currently 5,211 Nevada County customers without power. Yesterday, the utility provider had 250 crews working on utility repairs throughout the region. Residential customers who go without power for 48 hours or longer due to severe events like storms may qualify for the PG&E Safety Net Program. The Safety Net Program pays $25 to $100 automatically 60 to 120 days after the outage. More information is available online. My Nevada County reports that all county roads are open. There are still trees in several locations on county roads, but the county says those roads are still traversable. If you're interested on accessing info addressing which roads are county-maintained roadways, you can check on the My Neighborhood Map section of MyNevadaCounty.com. And be sure to turn on the County Maintain Roads layer. Now let's take a look at our regional weather. For those in Grass Valley and Nevada City, tonight a 30% chance of showers mainly before 9pm, with the low around 34 Tomorrow will be sunny with a high near 51. Sunday, sunny as well with a high near 54. In Truckee and Lake Tahoe, tonight, partly cloudy with a low around 17. Saturday looks to be sunny with a high near 38. Sunday, sunny as well with a high near 41 and calm wind. 
The National Weather Service has issued a special weather statement due to gusty winds and light Sierra and Northeast California snow into this evening. This all means bumpy airplane rides, choppy lake waters, and rough Sierra backcountry conditions. The National Weather Service reminds us that, while only a few inches of snow is expected for Sierra passes, it doesn't take much to cause travel slowdowns. And in Sacramento and Woodland, tonight, patchy fog between 7 p.m. and 4 a.m., otherwise increasing clouds with a low around 44. Tomorrow, that fog continues until 10 a.m., otherwise cloudy through mid-morning, then gradual clearing with a high near 56. Sunday, patchy fog before noon, then partly sunny with a high near 54. With the aim of inspiring environmental activism and a love for nature through film, the annual Wild and Scenic Film Festival features 100-plus films, activist talks, filmmaker lectures, and more. But for the second year in a row, the in-person component of the fest has been canceled. This year stings a bit more, given it's the South Yuba River Citizen League's 20th anniversary producing the festival. However, the show must go on, as Felton Pruitt and Circle Executive Director Melinda Booth discuss. We're talking with Melinda Booth. She's the Executive Director of Circle, the South Yuba River Citizens League. And uh, they've been the organization behind the Wild and Scenic Film Festival for a very long time. Hi, Melinda. How long has the Wild and Scenic been going on? Well, hey, Felton. Thanks for having me. We have been producing the Wild and Scenic Film Festival for 20 years. So next week will be our 20th anniversary event. For the last two years now, we haven't actually been able to have people in person because of the pandemic, which is very unfortunate, especially for the 20th anniversary. Oh, we're tremendously disappointed not to be able to host folks in person and to see all of you and feel that the positive energy that, that this event does bring to town. But Gosh, we're really proud to be presenting films to you virtually. The team has worked absolutely tirelessly to curate a really stellar selection of environmental and adventure films that we think are sure to change your world. So the festival actually starts when? Next Thursday? That's right. We kick it off on Thursday the 13th, and we're going to run a little bit longer than our in-person fest for the virtual films. So we'll run through the 23rd of January. A lot of time for folks to to get online and screen some incredible films. So I want to become part of the film festival. How do I go about that? Your first stop is best online at wildandscenicfilmfestival.org. As it's a virtual festival, as you can imagine, everything can be done from your computer or your smartphone if you prefer. So check us out at wildandscenicfilmfestival.org. And you can buy tickets. You can read descriptions of the films. We're going to have some workshops online. We have a, a welcoming ceremony that we're going to do online to kick it off on, on actually Friday. So you can join us for that. There's all, all kinds of things and everything that we've got is online. If folks check it out and have questions, we're more than happy to take questions by email or phone. So you can reach out to any of the Film Fest team and we will get you whatever information you need. So let's talk a little bit about why you had to uh, postpone the in-person part of the festival. It's basically because we've just been hit by so many different uh, obstacles in the last few months here in Nevada County. I imagine your staff is just like everyone else. 
Right. I mean, the, the last three weeks have really been a doozy, right? We, we knew the whole time we were planning that, that depending what happened with COVID, we may have to pivot to a completely virtual event. So that was always in the back of our minds. Things were looking a little bit better in the fall, and then we got hit with Omicron. So that was a, a huge factor in the decision was, was COVID. But additionally, with the storms that we've had, the power outages, the infrastructure that we have in our county for both healthcare and, you know, storms events like this is just limited. And we don't want to put an additional burden on the resources of our community by bringing a bunch of folks in from out of town. So we made the really hard decision to, to go completely virtual and definitely feel like it was, it was the right choice, but, but you're right. The circle office was out of power all last week. We just got our internet back yesterday. Many of our staff are still without power. So it's just been uh, one thing after another, to be honest. And it's kind of a hit to Nevada City and Grass Valley, too, because the Wild and Scenic Film Festival brings in a lot of revenue to our area. Well, you're right, and and that was part of the consideration of the the planning for the event when it was created and and creating it in January, a traditionally economically slow time in in our downtown areas, right? And so we, we were interested in bringing people and giving a little bit of a boost to the economy during during that slow time. And, and we're not able to do that. And we're very disappointed. Like we said, we've technically not canceled the in-person. We're postponing it. But TBD on, on what that looks like. We're going to get through the virtual fest. But we hope to bring some in-person programming to folks later in 2022. We've been talking with Melinda Booth. She's the executive director of Circle, who are bringing you the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, the 20th annual one. For more information, you can go to wildandscenicfilmfestival.org or you can call 530-265-5961. That's the Wild and Scenic Film Festival, the 20th anniversary of it, starting this next Thursday. Uh, We've been talking with Melinda Booth from Circle. Thanks for all the info. Thanks, Felton. In some places throughout Nevada County, the snow from last week's storm is all but melted. However, others are still navigating power loss, limited heat, and the inability to access frequented roads. MyNevadaCounty.com slash StormInfo is a useful resource. In addition to the latest on power restoration, the site gives you all the info you need about the county's free mobile laundry and shower unit, currently at the Rood Center in Nevada City and information on the firewood distribution program, as well as county road maintenance and other updates. Up ahead, we hear how some members of the San Juan community have been impacted by the severe storm. Nevada County residents have come out the other side of last week's storm in vastly different places. Some have returned to business as usual. Others still await power restoration and haven't taken showers in their own homes for 12 days. In fact, Some may argue they're nowhere near the other side. KVMR headed up Highway 49 to local market Mother Truckers. Here on the corner of Purden Road and Tyler Foot Crossing, I caught up with some San Juan Ridge community members to ask how they had been impacted by the severe winter weather. San Juan resident Rose has lived in the area for 33 years. 
Were you impacted severely by the storm, or what was it like? I wouldn't say severely because I've lived here for so long. I was, yeah, I would, so I would bring the stove, and I have batteries, so the things I needed to battery operate, I did. And because I'm retired, I didn't need to go anywhere. And I melted snow, and I, and I, and I had bottled water that I always keep on hand, just in case, kind of a thing. And it only for me, it was only four days because the ridge for the most part didn't really get impacted as much as some other areas. A couple of feet total. I mean, the last two winters was basically nothing. I mean, this is like a real winter. The biggest problem, I ran out of water and I think it's because I used my toilet too often too soon. And I wished I had a, an outhouse. I do, I really wished I had one of those. Like. Stopping to give his two cents on his way into the market, Jason had quite a different response from Rose when asked about the storm's impact. Since I live in my truck, pretty heavy impact, yeah. Work has slowed down a lot because of snow and mud, and yeah, I mean, I think everyone's in the same boat as that. Were you able to keep warm? Yeah, yeah, I got, I got a dog and blankets and stuff, and some people are letting me stay in their shop with a wood heater, you know, but it was, it was pretty cold. <laughs> as far as the county, you know, they did what they could do. It'd be nice if they plowed the roads a little bit better, but, <laughs> but uh, was it, I think the Monday after that storm, I drove to Nevada City and got stuck on 49 in that dip. And basically it was two guys with a chainsaw and me and a couple other guys. We were just cutting branches out of the way and probably 20, 30 cars stuck there. So it was pretty intense for a couple days. Stepping inside the bustling mother truckers, store workers Nyana and Jasmine both describe the scene leading up to the severe winter weather. Yes, yes, they were definitely stocking up. It got real busy because just, you know, in case they got snowed in. Besides that, I mean, the roads were clear enough for people to come in. We weren't closed. We stayed open the whole time. We did. The country store closed for a day. Yes. Felt like in the beginning, they rushed to get their stuff. I mean. Yeah, but then when it was like actually happening, not many people came. Like they got their stuff and then just stayed home. Nyana, who lives five miles up the road from the market, continued. I have a generator, so I never lost power, but I couldn't get to work. I was snowed in. I'm up the hill a little bit. I had to have my dad drive me to work. The last time it snowed this much is in like the third grade. So this is definitely like the biggest one that I've seen in a while. Usually we'll get like small amounts of snow over the winter, but this is like a lot at once. Yeah, it seems like everybody's back on their feet. There was a lot of trees down. One of our co-workers, it fell on her house. Our other co-worker, it fell on her car. And she had a really nice car. <laughs> so lots of trees down. That first really good snow where I think we got, I live in Camptonville, and we got like 12 inches. And the, the snow plow wasn't, wasn't even on Highway 49 because of all the trees down. When I finally did get out, there was just so many trees that were cut and put to the side. So I was going down this hall of like cut trees. It felt to me living around here my whole life that it was just like all, all, all at once, you know, just like fast and furious. It wasn't like this gradual over time. It just felt like it just dumped and then it dumped again. It just was a lot all at once. The volume maybe. I haven't seen a, a winter like this, honestly, in, in a few years. It's been a, a minute since the last time I saw, you know, that much snow at once. Up at my house, it was like 12 inches a day or so, and then another 10. So it was really stacking up. But we need it for our rivers and our lakes and everything. This is Kelly Reese for KVMR News. That's our newscast for this Friday, January 7th, 2022. That's going to take a while. KVMR gets support from Briar Patch Food Co-op, 
Owned and supported by the community, offering organically grown and locally sourced fruits and veggies with curbside pickup. 290 Sierra College Drive in Grass Valley. Online at briarpatch.coop and Nevada County Cannabis Alliance, a trade association representing the local cannabis industry, providing year-round get legit permitting and compliance education, emphasizing industry responsibility and environmental stewardship. Information at nccannabisalliance.org. Stick around, we have the return of a new program for you this evening instead of our normal The California Report magazine. Up ahead at 6.30, we'll hear Curtain Call with Cy Musiker and Holly Grimaldi Flores, a show that hopes to become your go-to reference highlighting local arts and culture. Tonight, the duo interviewed the director of the Wild and Scenic Film Festival about the difficult decision to call off the in-person component. You'll also hear from Miners Foundry director Gretchen Bond on how arts organizations are attempting to get back into the swing of things after shuttering their doors for such an extended period. Then at 7, we have Democracy Now! with host Amy Goodman. KVMR will keep updating you with any storm news this weekend at 10 a.m., 2 p.m., and 6 p.m. on both Saturday and Sunday. Thanks for listening to the news this evening. I'm Kelly Reese, signing off.